Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. It's brought to you in association with Levi Solicitors, who will not only offer you a 10% discount on your legal fees, Michael, what else will they do? 15% off on wills, on probate, on conveyancing. Which Those is your favourite? Can you separate the three? Are they just all equal to you? Um, conveyancing, my favourite. Yeah. yeah. Which definitely. is, that's when you're moving Fain, house, isn't it? Yeah. Probate probably the least favourite because I'm not 100% sure what it is. <laughs> I think it's when they're like, they, when I say execute, I mean like, I don't mean execute as in, mm. I mean execute a, the will of somebody, like well, their estate, don't they? That's an important job too. Yeah. 15% discount on those three services. You can find the uh, the discount code over on the Phil Hey Monday Club. Look for that in your video feed, your audio feed as well. Otherwise, it's 10% on everything else, legal services for you and your business. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Dan here. Hello, with Michael. Say hello, Michael. Hello. Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello, Michael. Dressed like a Frenchman. If, you, if you're not on the video version, nice stripy top. Or the Hamburglar. <laughs> or the Hamburglar. <laughs> what you could do is wear a yellow... Yes, I should take this off, but I'm not going to. And put this on instead. Which, for the audio version, is our beautiful new Square Ball Admiral collab shirt. Hang on a second, that's yellow. That can't be right. Those don't sell. So says Mr. Addy Dazzler. Well... <laughs> Tell it to the people of Sweden, because their home kits always do all right, don't they? Yeah. Moscow, you're talking through a shirt. It's not really good for the audio. That's why, that's why I moved it away, <laughs> so I can... I think people what? would probably rather, if you're on YouTube, this is better. And what will, a shirt over my face. What I will say is you can get those on the website now. Yellow does sell, as is proven by the sales <laughs> figures flying out. Um, you can get a discount for a limited time as well on that, um, if you remember. So have a look on that. TSB Plus member. Yeah. Yeah. Right. On with the show. Moscow, you can lower the shirt now from in front of your face, unless you mm. want to keep it there. People may let the people decide. Like some sort of privacy shroud over your face. This is the Do news. A, a dance of the Admiral Vale. This is the <laughs> this is the news section of the show. We've got a, a West Ham preview on the way, heroes and villains as well. Our news is that our 21s got promoted at Ellen Road against Nottingham Forest. And a jolly nice time was had by all. A trophy, no less, was won. Yeah. Big stage for it. I mentioned on uh, on propaganda, didn't I, that the uh, the podium was quite a it was it was Champions League worthy. Was the the size scale of the podium? You want to fit all your all the children and the coaches on there and stuff. So Can these players perform on the big stage? Yes, they did, didn't they? Proof, uh, if ever it were needed. Yeah, they, they absolutely cruised this game. They could have won it by five or six. Yeah, you went to it, didn't you? I, I was did. I was at home and I was not allowed to watch it, obviously, because of the blackout. I've seen the highlights since, and yeah, we we should have put about seven past them. We've got some good players in that under twenty one side, so. If the worst does happen this season, which it won't, and we find ourselves in the championship, we've got a lot of good young players to go out there. So, Who are your favourites? You were there. Matteo Joseph. He's got swagger. 
mm-hmm. as Matteo Joseph. Archie Gray looks like he's just having the time of his life every time he plays. He was good. Young lad called Ruter, I think it's pronounced, Jorginho, who was probably on about 50% output and just looked miles too good for it. Really? Um, do, you know, do you know think he might need a, a loan move next year to League One or something? Maybe just to start, sort of find his form. Mm. Yeah, find his way in. But it's weird. He's, he kind of he did some really Jorginho Rutery stuff in that game in that he occasionally tripped over the ball, got caught in possession. But it was because he was trying to do really fancy things like turn out of sort of three players in a little clutch. Mm. But yeah, he, he was good. I liked Diego Montero as well. Centre half looked very classy. Mullen as well spanked that volley in, which was that was a second goal, was it? Yeah. And he looked very, very good at the back. Yeah. All... I really enjoyed Mullen's celebrations that. It was just in front of the cheese wedge laughing. Yeah. Which was nice. I think he, I suspect he doesn't score many of those because his teammates were over and over to him. like, fucking hell. It really was a worldie as well. It's great. It was brilliant as well because the free kick wasn't meant to go to him, I don't think, but he spotted it was not going to the back post as it should have been. And he just peeled off. And, uh, and hit it first time, but yeah, one of the, it was one of those beautiful ones. Don't you like when you get right behind a strike? You're in line with it, and I was like that with my spot in the east stand. He just uh, he unleashed it from whew, an angle that I was looking at, which was nice. A good atmosphere. There was some a little bit of singing actually. Yeah, I said on propaganda there was a nice little ripple of uh, enjoyment went through the crowd when we realised that Liverpool were beating Leicester in the grown up stuff. But no, there was a few songs. What was it like twelve and a half thousand? I think the um, the ticket sales were and East Lower looked pretty full. Good number of people in the cop in the gal that it was good. I enjoyed it. I mean, that is that's more people than we had in some League Cup games in the not too distant past. So yeah, it's not bad, I suppose. Yeah, there were two nice bits that I spotted was that Scoobs got on the trophy lift off just off the side. He did start the at the start of the season, so there at the end, and then Matteo Joseph was being interviewed by Tom Hill on LUTV, and Tom was saying lots of things like you've done really well this year, scored lots of goals, you've been performing really well. And in the midst of this praise, Matteo Joseph was like, thank you. <laughs> I just whispered it. Yeah, he was like, I think he felt a little bit awkward that he was getting all this praise. He was, he was like, oh, thanks, thank you. They just, they, honestly, they're, all of them, him especially, they just look like they're having a great time and they really enjoyed being in front of the crowd and Diego Montero as well. He's not forget has played, he's played first team football in Switzerland, hasn't he? Even at 18. So it's kind of gone into a, almost like behind closed doors scenario and well, he works his way up through the, through the age groups but you forget he's only about he's only 18 isn't he and he's playing mm-hmm. in the 20, 21s so he's towards the younger end of the age group and the same Archie Gray's only of that sort of age 17. isn't he what is he 17 yeah. now Archie and they're just like they're, like they're having a great time just like they're having a really really good time playing football and it was lovely to be inside Ellen Road without that gnawing feeling you know <laughs> that um, that pit of despair in your stomach thinking please please work Go surrounded on. by beavers sorry Gnawing. The gnawing the feeling of being surrounded by beavers. That's uh, when it's normal. Have you found yourself in that? Well, I've not been to Canada. Right. So, no. Right. Mark Jackson, I noticed liking some of the uh, the tweets as well from people too. The now jobless Mark Jackson. But it was, uh, it, I, th- I saw him liking the Ben Parker tweet and I think Charlie Allen or someone as well had put something. So he'd, yeah. They're all involved. All the, the, the many people who've attempted to coach this lot over the last, over the last couple of years. I think that's another thing. They've had a really mixed up season too with uh, with all the changes because it all has a knock on effect, doesn't it? Of every time every time a manager's changed, what's Chris Armas doing here? Is he is he coaching us? Is he is he not even allowed to coach the under twenty the under twenty ones? Is he with the under eighteens? Is he just on holiday? Yeah, because it was going to be Mark Jackson, but then because Chris Armas didn't come, he went with the first team. So then Scoobs became the head coach of the under twenty ones. Maybe that was going to happen anyway. But then after he went to the first team, it became. Paco Gallardo with Pudge and it's just like what a, a mixture of 
things to deal with, lots of different voices, lots of different people. And then players have to go up to the first team. Jorginho Rutter arrives. Montero arrives. A lot happens. So it's not always easy, but all good for them to learn from. And in the end, you know, they've got a lot of criticism for, although there was a lot of kind of moaning of typical Leedsness when they lost the title on the final day um, to one goal, essentially. But in the end, to get to win two more matches, both played Elland Road, both in front of crowds, and they probably had a nicer time winning that little plate than if they'd have just won the title at... Uh, a sad Friday in Walsall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which uh, Rob has written on the blog, actually. So this is better than being champions because you have a, a proper little celebration at home. Yeah, they put out the big uh, Champions League level stage. They played that infernal bloody Premier League anthem. They, they would have done that if they had won at Walsall. Yeah. That was that behind closed doors game and you'd just bring all that stuff out oh, and maybe, play the I mean, the they, wouldn't have, they wouldn't have had a PA system there, would they? So Victor Arth with a Bluetooth speaker. I was going to say, I was somebody going, da, 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 like at the side of the pitch with a megaphone. Speaking of Victor Arthur, I mean, maybe this is his, um, the positive aspect of his legacy, is putting together a good youth side. Well, there's been a lot of stories in the papers and that giving it all to Craig Dean, hasn't there? So. Ah, right, well done, Craig. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I did not, I, I'm sure it's coincidental, it's just the kind of thing that happens when the under-21s are successful, but he is the head of... Um, emerging talent, is it? Yeah, I never like, I don't like the word emerging. Too sounds, many, sounds like a baby being born, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, too many things emerge these days, like things emerge, reports emerge and use emerges. It's like, it's lazy. <laughs> what's, um, your, what's your favourite thing that, that's emerged then? Well, talent. Yeah. I don't mind if, if talent is emerging and... Uh, Where is um, it emerging from? Uh, well, Adam, uh, Craig Dean, sorry, is certainly the... Is uh, he giving birth to it? He's the crown of it. <laughs> and then... Um, <laughs> Adam Underwood is the the head of it, and then I don't know who's the the body and the legs. But horrible, so there, horrible the, image. So he's, <laughs> so he's there with the with the von twos, uh, which is like the the glorified baby vacuum, isn't it? And just <laughs> anyway. So there's been so because the under twenty ones done well. There's been some stories about how how well they've been doing at signing young players and putting them into the academy system, and how all that stuff, even though Victor Orta has been lopped off, everybody else is staying to keep doing those kind of things which is good because it seems to be fine we seem to be quite good at buying players for although not I don't know where there are some that we signed that we that disappear so is that yin and yang because you don't make a huge deal of signing players for the under 21s but people do notice there's always like a little story on the website so and so has been signed and then six months later it's like what was all the hype about the rubbish um, if they don't <laughs> immediately make it so Lewis Bate probably falls into that category, doesn't he? Like, Although he's off should making, have been in the first team. He's but, off making waves in Oxfordshire now, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, so he was doing absolutely fine, but that's one kind of, what was all that? There wasn't really any hype. He just said, oh, I've signed this, signed this lad, <laughs> just to let you know. And uh, Well, some of our 21s are out on loan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking specifically Drame and Joffe, who played in the playoff semi-final second leg at Luton. That was last night, as we record this. 2-0 to Luton Town. It's quite of a, what's, what's the way to describe it? Kind of a a barnstorming performance. It lacked quality, but there's a lot of... Uh, They're quite sort of physical, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, it's kind of a forceful approach to football, yeah. Cody Drowning almost scored. Yes, he, did you see that? Have you seen it, Moscow? Yeah. yeah. That was, I was like, I was, I was imploring him to square it. Oh, you did just roll it across there to your mate. But oh, oh, oh he just rolled just, it into the goal. He just rolled it into touch. I mean, that's what I'd have done. The, yeah, I did like his face afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I think that's inexperience you realise at some point that the assist is probably as glorious as the goal on that one. Because you think, when you've run 70 yards, you think, oh, I'll finish this and 
sort of take all the acclaim, but you still get the acclaim if you pass it to somebody who has. You still get a cuddle off your net. mate, don't you? you get a well, cuddle? exactly. Yeah, yeah, you get the goal, and everybody says, "What a good pass that was!" But instead, everybody was like, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> Open goal. So anybody who didn't see it, they got the Sunderland goalie had gone up for the corner, and then um, it broke to Drame, and he, he he ran right up the other end, and then from a tight angle, instead of passing it to one of, I think there were two players in the penalty yeah, area yeah, he could have yeah. picked from. He placed it precisely to the side of the goal and then looked a bit stunned. But So he could have been the big hero, either with the goal or the assist, but it didn't matter because like a minute later, blew the whistle and uh, poor old Joffy was off the pitch already. So I didn't get to see his tears. He got to cry in private. Jack Clark was out there um, probably trying to avoid being duffed up by the invading Luton. Hordes. Hordes, all the Mad Hatters running on. If Luton do go up, we face the indignity of them buying one of our players, don't we? Because they've got Premier League money. Potentially, although we do have parachute payments. Not, yeah, they've bought they bought Chris Kamara from us. That was quite a dignified transfer for all involved. We loaned them um, Mervyn Day when we were busy winning the league. Mm, it was we always, bought Kevin Nichols from them. Was a fair well, while ago. For that. Football has changed. Yeah, where um, yeah, Kevin Nichols is probably the the more recent exchange. Maybe it would be nice to do like some proper business with them to kind of blot out that memory. Angus Kinnear's in for an exciting weekend, isn't he? Mm. Saturday the 27th of May, Skybet Championship playoff final, followed by our final game of the season on the Sunday against Spurs. Do you think he'll go? To which one? To, well, to both. <laughs> I assume he'll be at Leeds. Do you think he'd dare go to the playoffs? Oh, of course you would, wouldn't you? In a big beard and, and glasses, maybe. He's probably better off going barefaced at the playoffs than he is at Elland Road. <laughs> You can show your face supporting your boyhood team in a playoff final at Wembley. If you are presiding over relegation at Elland Road at the club you run, it's probably that's the that's the, the one where you maybe need a, a strategy. It'll be interesting to see who does turn up for the final day, depending on what happens this weekend. But we'll get all to that thrilling chat in a bit, eh? Um, Hopefully Leeds turn up yep. in the next two games. Coventry, Middlesbrough, nil-nil from the first leg. That's tonight and the second leg at Borough. Are you looking forward to that? No, really. No. <laughs> Although I do feel like Coventry should be in the Premier League. Yeah, because they were when we were they kids. Were. Yeah. yeah. Steven Grizovic yeah, in there. You see, Luton's just after my time, so I, I think of Luton as being... Luton, one of the founding members of the Premier League. Yeah, I think I heard but that on the, on the commentary last night. They said that they... Were they or did they go down that year? Well, yeah, but that's it. I think it's them and Ipswich came back. Luton are the only team or one of only a couple of teams who have received... No, it'll be them and Oldham. Or were Oldham in the first year? No, Oldham were in the first year. Right. Let's just stick to it. Luton, we know this for certain, received parachute payments from the Premier League without ever playing in it. Yeah, that was ah, it. Okay. Yeah. When was that? That was the well, very first season. Yeah, so they got relegated the year we won the league, 91, 92. So and they then, did a distribution of funds, did they, that Yeah, because they were founder members, but they never actually played in it because they were relegated before it started. Oh, they've had quite a journey, though, haven't they? Like, they were National League, what mm. was it, about nine years ago? Yeah, big old... Bigger, more points deductions than us, haven't they? I think. Yeah, so there's hope for us. <laughs> uh, as for League One, when's the playoffs? Thursday, Thursday Friday, Friday. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you've got um, Sheffield Wednesday up against it in that. There, there are clips, some glorious clips on propaganda actually of Sheffield Wednesday fans getting increasingly irate mm-hmm. and singing to to a team that amassed 96 points over the course of the season. You're not fit to wear the shirt. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. Uh, and Bolton Barnsley and the other ones. So if we do go down. Either of them, you get a good amount of tickets. Yeah. So and that's something to look forward sort to. Sort of low-level threat of violence at Barnsley as well. Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. Which is good. Well, that's exciting, isn't it? 
That's all very exciting. I didn't mean to link it to what you just said about a low-level threat of violence, but I was just checking Darren Ferguson is currently manager of Peterborough United. That had been, yeah, it's a while since I'd, it's always like a flip of a coin as to whether he's there or not. Yeah. Who's in the Sheffield Wednesday team? Is, is Barry Bannon still pulling strings for them? He, he is. is. He was getting very slagged off, actually, on the um, the clip I was listening to while finding propaganda. If we go down, is it time to bring him on? Mm. Is Josh Windass any relation? I think he is, yeah, to Dean. Yeah, yeah, I think he might be. Crikey. Barry Bannon's gone bald Flint. again, by the way, for seeing, because he, he had a hair transplant and it seems to have, <laughs> it seems to have fallen out once more. <laughs> Poor fella. Oh, and David Stockdale's on the bench for... Wednesday, super Leeds fan. Let's close out this section then by chatting about the uh, the whole social media madness that's unfolded this week. Bamford's come off Twitter. Club releases a statement. Luke Hayling uses Instagram to have a pop at Twitter. Or fans, fans not inside the stadium. It's all a bit silly, isn't it? It's I all mean, got, got out of hand a bit, hasn't it? This was all triggered by someone making a, a video showing a player doing bad things. Who would ever do such a thing, Moscow? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> your Philly Peacock Farrell thing of many years ago well, Fairness, it was it was, it was was different I know it came I from know. a place of love didn't it the, the Bailey Peacock Farrell low lights on loan to York video was intended to, to kill defend. his career before it ever started nah <laughs> just to defend him to say that because everybody was saying oh we need to put him in the team in yeah. place of Lonergan or Viedvald and it was just like I think that might be too much pressure for somebody who appears to have Biscuit wrists on loan at York. And I quickly realised after I put it out there, oh, loads of people think that this was to slag him off. It wasn't. Obviously, I made loads of videos after that to slag <laughs> Bailey Peacock fall off. But he's in the Premier League next year, so what do you yeah. have to say about that? Let's talk about Ailing quickly then, because that's the latest storm in the teacup. I've just seen all this, and it's just tiresome, isn't it? 250 games for this great club. The next two will be the most important of them all. Fans inside Ellen Road, thank you, MOT. And his wife has then in the comments underneath responded, shows what you can do when you don't read Twitter, baby. Leave Luke Elling alone on this, is what I feel like. I feel like if it just turned up and was kind of giving a a bit of this, I would think, oh, fuck off, eh? But what he's doing is he's supporting his mate. He's not not having to go at fans as he had. I was going to say, that's the thing. If if you're a fan of this, uh, you're a fan and you're you're taking offence at this, it just strikes me as disingenuous. He's not having a pop at fans, is he? But what he does mean, which is quite clear, it's inferred from it, is like, it's great in the ground. There are some dickheads on Twitter who won't leave us alone. That's the end of it. Nobody needs to get upset by it because he's correct. Mm. If you haven't sent abuse directly to Luke Ayling or Pat Bamford, you ain't talking about you, so you don't need to worry about it. If you have, you probably don't care about this. Mm. So it's all pointless. I don't understand why anybody would possibly be upset by the wording of that. Because people post. like to get upset about shit, don't they? There are lots of ways to sort of have a nice time that don't involve... Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Essentially. I mean, it's, it's an awkward thing because I don't think, I think players need to realise they're not to be immune from criticism. Mm. But it's, it's where lines are drawn, isn't it, really? Like, are you allowed to say just someone is shit if you don't tag them in it? Is that okay? Obviously, tagging them in it seems overstepping the mark. Obviously, some of the stuff Bamford has received, people, yeah, yeah. you know, saying stuff about his family and his dog and psychotic stuff. Like, that obviously is weird. It's the volume but, of it because from our point of view, you are speaking once, you're saying it once. Or from the point of view of somebody tweeting something, if you say, oh, Bamford shit because he missed that penalty, you're saying it once. If he gets tagged in that, Bamford will be receiving a thousand individual messages all saying that you are shit for missing that penalty. We were talking about this when the whole Karen Carney stuff kicked off because she was wrong about what she said about Leeds getting promoted because of COVID. But she only needed to hear that 
once. And it needed, that was when the club on the night, um, instead of encouraging people to tweet things to her, just needed to stay out of that. And then an email goes to the production company the next day and says, can you have a word with, with Karen Carney? Because the thing she said was factually inaccurate and we weren't happy about what she said. So tell her once that she's wrong. Tell Pat Bamford once. He hears from the crowd that he's they're angry that he's missed the penalty. Allardyce will have told him. His teammates will all say, oh, I can't believe you missed that, Pat. But then he'll know. He'll know with himself, honey. Exactly. So then you say, well, what then is the need or the use or the gain from a thousand more people all sending him individual messages. And when it is you sending one, you don't feel the implication of it. You say, well, I've got the right to say it, but it really, at the other end of it, it just takes on a, a, a different form. I think there's kind of, there's something about, it's not Leeds fans, it's not, I don't know if it's football fans, it, even in particular, it's just a general sort of lack of understanding of how communication works. I think people have lost the connection between when you type something into the box on your phone that it's had somebody else's name in it, it, it appears on their phone. You're you're entering into their well, and I feel like that sometimes about just like, that's why I can't get with the the thought process because I feel like you know if I need to text somebody, I will you know they're going to see, it's going to bother them. Like even if it's something nice, like somebody will have to pick up their phone and look at it and tap it and open the message and read it, and you're immediately taking time out of their day. And even if it is like oh, I hope you're having a nice day. I'm still always like, oh, well, they might be busy. But people don't see or think about what's on the other end of just typing the message into their computer or their phone because they just think it's the same as playing a computer game too yeah, often. There's a, there's a distance there, isn't there? Yeah. Like, like just the, the means of communication. Like you say, you, you're typing something into your phone and that's where the transaction ends as far as your yeah, phone. Yeah, you just put it, it you, down. You're sounding off, you're getting angry, whatever it might be. We're talking about empathy, aren't you, basically? And... Social media encourages a lack of empathy because there are no consequences for you saying whatever you say. And and I, I dare say most of this, even the, the most ridiculous comment, which was about kicking Bamford's kid down the stairs and stabbing his dog or something like that, was just somebody going over the top in a bid to try and look funny or be edgy or whatever and did obviously didn't mean it. I think time has changed because social media has kind of come to the fore in the last five years in particular in that in that way. And then... But 10 years, I mean, 10 years ago, yeah, Twitter existed. It's 15 years ago it was invented. So when did Pat Bamford start becoming a footballer? He's 29. He didn't grow up. Like, there was a time you probably grew up to be a footballer and part of the narrative or the story that you would dream about is the comic book thing, the Royal Rovers thing, where somebody in the stands or the crowd has turned on you and they've been booing you in the stand and you score the winner in the cup final and then everybody cheers. That's how people have sort of grown up used to that idea and, newspaper columnists who've been criticising you and you shove their words down your throat by scoring a hat-trick in the big match. It's all fine. But there was never the social media side of it. Nobody ever grew up thinking, yeah, and I really hope that I'll get like a thousand messages wanting to stab my dog and then those are the people that I'll, I'll be shoving those words down their throats. They get paid a lot of money for playing football. They don't get paid the money for playing football and receiving a load of dickheaded abuse. Football stadiums have traditionally been seen as a, as a release. You go there and you sound off and you shout and you scream and you swear. Rob mentioned it on Propaganda and I've noticed it too, that Leicester keep getting booed off um, after every half of football that they play. And Ellen Road, compared to what some other teams have been going through this season, actually been a very supportive place um, amid all the anger. But it's that extension from there of just through the, just a random Tuesday morning, just going, fucking Bamford, I'm going to send him a message telling him he's fucking shit. 
And that's kind of, it's beyond the rules of engagement that anybody really uh, expected. I think particularly um, because he's not, he's, he's just missed a penalty is what he's, and, and missed a chance against Leicester, which, yeah, obviously everyone's annoyed about. But we're not in a situation like if people had been, if the Kiko Casilla verdict had come in and people had gone, get out of the club, I hate what you've done here, that is almost more understandable than just going, as we've said before, it's just a sport, isn't it, football? It shouldn't, it doesn't need to be like this. About, about, I know everyone's, I know everyone's hugely invested in it, but like that sort of stuff is so deeply personal and unreasonable that yeah. it does, it just doesn't need to, but footballers, to be there, does footballers it? have been depersonalized, haven't they? It's like I've seen a few tweets to the effect that, like, what the fuck is Bamford doing going and playing golf the day after he's missed a penalty? It's like, it's his day off, he can do what he wants. Mm. It help, maybe it helps him unwind and focus on the next game. It's like he's not a child; you can't make, yeah. send him to his bedroom. No telly, like I think, no Netflix. Pat, this you'll weird, enjoy it too much. This weird expectation that they should be in there every single day, not realizing that rest and recovery is part of the process. And I'm sure when people sit there and cool-headedly think about it, they understand that. But people just like to sound off, don't they? And Twitter seems to be the medium by which they're doing it. The other side to this, and I wonder if on the other side of the coin is if this stuff is helping them forge a siege mentality and I don't mean the abuse but I mean the way that they are now choosing to deal with it and process it if they are forging a siege mentality within the club within the playing staff good it might help us mm. you know there may, there may be a benefit to it after all if they think well fine we'll show that lot and that's the good side of what Alien posted is that recognition that they do realise that there is a lot of support still there even from fans who in the ground when Bamford misses a penalty or somebody does something wrong will object, will boo, will complain, will shout. Will then sing his name as well because they realise. Exactly. And so I think the um, what goes on in a football stadium normally is I think the, the players get it and they realise how that works. There's just really no upside to somebody saying that they want to stab your dog and kick your infant daughter down the stairs, is there? And if you get um, enough of those messages over enough of a period of time, you're going to get pretty sick of that. But then... Yeah, the whole future of social media is something we probably don't need to get into, but I don't think it bodes well for any of those platforms. That that seems to be what they are used for. They're just a conduit to abuse people 24-7. The more and more people like Pat Bamford and other sort of high-profile sports people who just decide not fucking worth bothering, the less and less value there will be in those platforms and the less and less reason people will have to use them and then maybe we'll all just start seeing trees and sunshine again. <laughs> I quite like seeing a more personal side of footballers sometimes. And I, for me, I think that personally would make it a lot harder to send them abuse. If you can see, if the platform you're doing it on, there's pictures of like, you know, Junior Furpo was sent off, but this morning he's put on like a picture of his kid, like he's like helping his kid do chin-ups on like some home gym stuff. Yeah. You think, oh, it's nice. He's just a normal man, isn't he? He's just, he's, just a, he's just a normal man who wasn't very good at football at the a, weekend. A normal man, an innocent man. Exactly. Yeah. But, but fine. It like, don't work though because I mean <laughs> Pat Bamford's dog is lovely and reads mm. the square ball. We have seen um, mm. photos of Duke, uh, Duke, of Duke, Duke Bamford, of course, with um, with our summer special in the background on the coffee table. It's very touching, and yet people do look at pictures of that. Um, it's a labradoodle, isn't it? And it's adorable, and then they're like, "Yeah, I'm going to stab that because Pat Bamford missed a penalty, and I'm going to tell them about it." I've got a solution. When Clicky finishes with the game, hangs up his boots. Head of social media. Let him manage all the accounts. Yeah. Just go around routinely telling, reply to everything, every single message telling people to fuck off. <laughs> I mean, that thing is people, a lot, somehow Click got away with that. I'm not sure you, in the, in the midst of relegation battle, I'm not sure people having to go at Bamford if he just, I mean, I'd quite applaud it if he did. Just went down every single one of them. Fuck off, fuck off, fuck off, copy and paste it. Might work. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's do part two of the show now, then. Are we just avoiding talking about this? What, West Ham? Mm. I'm happy to talk about it. Do you know what? I've gone through the cycle of I've had enough, can't take any more, I'm at breaking point. I'm excited by it again now. I don't know what's wrong with me. That's the footballer Big Sam for you. I don't know what it is. keeping you up at night. I just think it is because no matter which way you dress it up, you know that you're alive, don't you? These are the games that matter. This is what football's about. It's just by the end you wish you weren't. Yeah, I mean, it could all be hideously wrong. I mean, we could close out this game relegated if things go bad this weekend. (laughs) But I don't know. There's just something... It doesn't feel like it's heading that way, as, as Phil's been touching on when we've spoken to him on those shows. Like it, it feels like it's angling towards the last day. It's famously accurate with his predictions. It's yeah, Phil very Hay, much. Isn't he? Phil has made a prediction to me off air. Are we nailed on for staying up? I'm not going to say what he predicted until after the season has ended, but he made a prediction after we finished recording on Monday. After the mics closed, the cameras went off, all that. He made a prediction to me about how this would go, but I'm not going to chuck him under the bus yet. Have you written it down, put it in an envelope? I don't need to, because it's only one of two options, which is either stay up or go down. But it was interesting to hear him him call it, according to what he felt in his waters, but I'm not going to chuck him under the bus yet. We'll wait until the season is over, until we do that. I've got a feeling about how this one is going to go, probably because I'm trying to to view this one through the lens of the football gods now, rather Mm -hmm. than what might happen in a sort of week-to-week footballing sense. I think the footballing gods will make everybody else that we need to lose, lose this weekend. We'll probably get a draw. It won't quite be enough, but it spins it all round to the last weekend of the season. I mean, a draw would get us out of the relegation zone, actually. Would it? Because if Everton lose, that would put them on minus 25. Right. So 
we would inevitably Points. our goal difference. Oh. And Sorry. we've scored more goals than them. So that, that we scored more goals, feel, so that would so that would push us above them. Actually, that feels very football gods leadsy. That so we're depending on the the manner of their defeat, we would be potentially no goals ahead of them, but have scored more, so be in seventeen. It would then mean that we would go into the final day needing to get the same result as them. That's why that feels very leadsy. It would be like a would it be so? It's come down to goals scored, mm. and it would be like a, a goal scored off. Yeah, Bamford versus yeah. Dominic Calvert Lewin. If he's if he's uh, which, not injured, we don't know. Well, exactly. I and mean, you could say that about either of them. So it's yeah. like, which one of them can limp into the six-yard box enough times and just about P-roll the ball over the line and get us there? And I, I would gladly watch that competition. I want... <laughs> Let everybody else just stand aside. I want, for the redemption arc, I want Bamford to score the goal that keeps us up this year. Yeah. I, I really do. Or Ruta to come off the bench and that's all he does this or season. Melier. And then, and everyone can go, Melier, £35 million pound well spent because it's given us another 150 or whatever by it's saying too late to, uh, to get Jean-Kevin Augustin yeah. over for the party yeah. it, it feels like something along those lines might happen so we all we're going in doing fractions and divisions and permutations on the final day which my we pro- will do anyway my problem with this weekend's games are that I don't really trust well Wolves are done they're completely nothing to play for very unlikely to even finish one place higher than they are I mean, there is obviously the Football League FA FIFA conspiracy against them, mm. but does that extend now? Now they now they've obviously failed in that conspiracy, yeah. and Wolves have very easily stayed up. And then Arsenal away at Forest, like obviously they're a much better team than Forest. You're trying to talk yourself into a reason why this won't go exactly as it should do. Mate, but have you uh, seen Arsenal, Arsenal recently? Yeah, Arsenal are miles better than Forest. Yeah, miles, miles, miles better than them. And there's huge pressure on Forest in this one as well. Yep. And why have Arsenal been losing? Playing good teams no. some of the time. Think again. Pressure. Yes. Mm. What are they under now? No pressure. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So they're going to yeah. win. Well, uh, Mikel Arteta is he's got, he's got to the Hague, isn't he? At the end of the season. <laughs> okay, so. And then <laughs> as long as they don't check out any of their YouTube channels, there is no, no pressure. <laughs> Firing on them. squad for Mikel Arteta at the end of the season. It's absolutely set up for Arsenal to just now it's like, okay, championship's gone. Now go and show people how you can actually play and they'll be like, well, we're under no pressure and it's going to be Aaron Ramsdale scoring three goals from 40 yards and it's just like total party, Odegaard, double hat-trick, Eddie and Ketty are helping Leeds out. I mean, I have gone as far as thinking through this, thinking if if we were to win (laughs) 2-0 in this game, because West Ham are currently on minus 14, we're on minus 25 goal difference, but you're thinking, well... There's enough goals in this that they can. Swing. That's a four goal swing, and then maybe if we win a couple on the last day, they will lose by a few. Like, but do you know who they're playing? We... But do you know who West Ham are playing on the final day? Leicester. Oh yeah. So park that idea right now, Mister Normanton. Um, just to address five thirty eight dot com, right? Which I've obviously been keeping very loose tabs on for the last two years now, and I hate myself for doing so. It's getting shut down soon, I think, isn't it? Yeah, defunded it. Yeah, big relief. What's hilarious? So I was looking at what they reckon the permutations are for the final outcome of the season. They reckon, according to their algorithms, that West Ham will get three points more from where they are now this season. West Ham's two opponents for the remainder of the season are? Us and Leicester. Us and Leicester. 538's algorithm reckons that us and Leicester will both draw our two remaining games. So it's predicting that we'll draw against West Ham and Leicester will draw against West Ham. But it's also predicting that West Ham will win a game. Not possible, is it? It's not possible. Stupid Stupid thing. Well... Who's been the only person promoting this stupid thing? I've not for been promoting soon. it. I've been talking about it. I've been talking about it. For no reason. You've been platforming these guys. <laughs> well, they're getting deplatformed soon, Good. aren't they? <laughs> Get them off. 
So there you go. Goes to show how mad the it book, all is. The bookmakers know what they're doing. We're about nailed on for, for relegation, according to that. I must admit, the, the odds seem a little bit harsh, I think. It's because we're in the bottom three with two games to go. It's like... Yeah. Yeah, it'll swing wildly, won't it? If we get if we get something out of West Ham or, and move out of the bottom three for the final game, it'll swing again. It's like the the likeliest scenario is always that things stay the same. Yeah, so you can um, get a thousand to one for West Ham to still go down. Imagine that. It's not going to happen, though, is it? <laughs> when we beat them five <laughs> nil, it's going to be it's going to be very much on. So those are all the things that aren't in our hands. And I think there's been a lot of talk about this game and like what mood West Ham will be in after playing AZ Alkmaar and then what sort of team they'll put out. I think, you know, we probably need to forget about all that and just beat them. There is an angle there where what happens on Thursday night, under any circumstances, it means that at kickoff, West Ham will either be a very changed team or a very tired team, maybe a bit of both. And the only thing to do with that is to just try and beat them in the first half hour. I think that was the good thing against Newcastle is that we started really well and... They didn't really have a chance before they scored their penalty. We could have been tuned up by that point. Could have been more, not just the, I think we had, we were getting close. The penalty obviously is the big one. And then we scored the very good goal that Pat Bamford set up with a a beautiful cross with his beautiful right foot. Use it more often, Pat. It's great. He tried that against Leicester, didn't he? At the far post. I don't think he used any of his feet. I think he used a a, a third foot that nobody, nobody (laughs) apart from him knew, knew where it was. So he's got a beautiful right foot there to cross for Rodrigo and Luke Ayling to score from. But yeah, whatever is going on, I hope that the plan on Sunday is batter them in the first half, win the game. Hmm. I'd accept that. Yeah, yeah me too. I'd be for that. Yeah. So because um, if they are sleepy, then they won't. If they're two 0 down after half an hour, there'll just be nap time. Then they're not going to come back from that. So. There is a lot to be said for the element of distraction here, isn't there? In that, if they go out, they might be gutted and disappointed. If they go through into the final, they've got one eye on that. Either way, they should be tired. So we could do with extra time there if possible. Maybe some heartbreaking penalties mm-hmm. or some exciting penalties, whichever way around you want to dress it up. Injuries too. Not big ones. Small ones. Muscle tweaks. Keep you out for the weekend. That's all we need. Don't want to risk it for the final. Exactly. What was the... Uh, we need an Icelandic ash cloud as well to close Schiphol. <laughs> <laughs> well, so they have to get a boat home. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So never mind um, the football gods that we were talking about before. We now need like sort of the Roman gods, the uh, like Vulcan or whatever it is, or the Greek gods. I'm not sure. That's Star Trek, I, isn't it? I don't know. Iceland. <laughs> yeah. The, the god of volcanoes, whoever it is, is in charge of those. Bjork. Yes. Right. Um, so yeah, I was going to say earlier this season was, thank God, <laughs> thank God this season's nearly over. These previews can die soon. Um, earlier this season, 2-2 at Ellen Road. Young lad by the name of uh, Wilfred Nyonto. Not quite first team ready, but came in and scored the first goal. Great goal too. Mm. That little little touch with one foot and then smacked it in with his left. Delightful stuff. I, I want him to do that again on Sunday. Mm. Yeah, I don't playing? want Pascal Strout doing this because I was watching... I got deja vu a couple of times watching these highlights back. There's, Pascal Strout gives away the same penalty he did at Man City where he just dangles a leg and the player sees it and thinks, might as well have a little jump over that. And then, more positively... There is Rodrigo's finish, which is very much like the one against Man City too, where he just gets it in that position on the edge of the box and hits it hard into the it, net. Puts it right into the corner. Mm, he's been listening to you, hasn't he? So, uh, mm. I couldn't really get on board with all the sort of glee that Verpo will be banned for this game because I thought he actually played all right against Newcastle, apart from the, the various significant disasters <laughs> that he he played a huge part in. So it's kind of like, 
apart from those things, he was all right. And the thing with... You're still thinking about the bad thing. The thing with um, <laughs> Furpo, particularly in the second half of this season, is probably the start of every game. It's a bit of a coin flip. He could either give away penalties and red cards and stuff, or he could play really well. And I think probably in the situation that we're in, I would have gone with... Basically, if he hadn't been sent off, he would start that game and they'd probably um, against West Ham. And there'd probably be an even chance that he's absolutely fine. Whereas Strauch of late has not perhaps been able to contribute even to the level that Junior Furpo has recently. But two games to go, we just got to hope Strauch is fine or whatever the solution is at, at left back. Maybe it's Verba goes left back, Strauch back in midfield, revisit those glory days. What? That's, that's a question then, actually. Well, it, could, it could be yeah. Cock could go there and then Forshaw starts midfield. Couldn't it? They could reshuffle it that way. Yeah, I liked uh, Cock in midfield, though. Yeah, I thought he did pretty well there, actually. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah, it feels like, given West Ham are sort of noted for being slightly more physical as a team, generally speaking, that he might be a, a good one to have then there as a bit of a destroyer, I mean. You'd think the big sexy pirate would be like right up Sam Street, some big lad. Running, like Obviously, you're going to stick a six-foot-three centre-half at full-back. What else is there to do? <laughs> so it should work. And, he, and if you can get hold of him during the week, during training and, and instruct him. But I suppose that was the other side I had. Was, in fact, I think I heard it on propaganda. Somebody was saying, like, oh, I really like how Big Sam was talking about, you know, telling the players they've got to stay on their feet and it's good hearing that sort of plain speaking. But what Allardyce was saying was that he'd been telling them that all week and they didn't listen and it didn't work. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, oh, he, he tells them all the right things. and But then they just fuck up anyway. So it's kind of, it's all very well, Big Sam saying good things in press conferences, but he's got to—he's still trying to get through into the brains of our footballing friends. Moyes, Moyes Allardyce is probably the most old-school Premier League battle you'll get this season, as well as it. I know, I know Deitch is in there as well, but he's not been around as long as either of them two. Mm. I feel like Richard Richard Keys will be fully erect for this one. Oh, absolutely! I love it, won't he? Good British football men, Jurassic Park, eh? Jurassic Park and all that. Hodgson in the directors' seats. Mm watching on approvingly. You see, Hodgson loses points though for going abroad and mm. managing there. The, he thinks he's too good. For, thinks he, he thinks he's being fancy, doesn't he? Well, he's to, to Spain. And Allardyce he would have done. He only went uno time though. Allardyce would have done if Real Madrid or Inter Milan had seen sense. Mm. They'd answered his calls. Mm. <laughs> well, we know that Jackie likes it down there because he's got the hex on them because I guess this was probably one of the last few really good days we had when Bielsa was in charge. The 3-2 down there, Jackie Attrick. And they were, they were like fourth, were they, at the time? They were fourth. Wow. And a uh, young lad by the name of Sonny Perkins came on for the final three minutes there. Mm-hmm. So watch this space. Will he be We scored a great... Deployed? This, is, this is the game we scored a really good disallowed goal as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Bastards. Yeah. Should still have counted. I know we won. Made no difference, but still. Final thought on it then. Looking forward to this one? Um, I can't wait now. Yeah. <laughs> I, maybe it's because we're getting close to the end that I'm, I'm just excited to get it over with whichever way it goes. I think it'll be excitement if the Everton and Forest games go the way they should on Saturday, it'll be excitement if they happen to both win. I feel sad. Last season, we were bad. We were better than West Ham. This season, we're bad. Drew 2-2 with them at our place. I still have that kind of feeling. I think, we're, I think we might be better than them. I know that the league table has them above us and they're in the, the semi-final of the conference and all that kind of stuff. But I just have a feeling that we're, we should be able to beat West Ham. And when you add kind of the ability to what Allardyce has been bringing in terms of cheering him up, well, it's just cheering him up really, isn't it? That's what he's doing. Um, <laughs> then those two things together hopefully would just mean, yeah, take advantage of the fact that they will be, even under the best case, 
scenarios from their point of view, if they're playing a strong team or whatever, they will be feeling some kind of effects from Thursday night. Blitz them in the first half hour. Maybe don't you? Well, actually, Collapse yeah. in the last half let's, hour. Let's, <laughs> let's go down there and start talking about the Blitz because that was, um, they, they love that as a subject, but um, but it wreaked havoc on their homes. Um, <laughs> Do you want to stop talking now? Yeah, I think so. Before we're on the doodle bugs and um, all uh, knees, and knees up in a bombed out pond. And knees up in the, the underground stations because we were poor, but we were happy. <laughs> Get around the old ne- Joanna. Never saw, the a bana- never saw a banana at 35. <laughs> As we come out of winter and head into spring, energy prices are still sky high, meaning receiving an energy bill can be as stressful as glancing at the league table. Did you know you could get ready for next winter and save up to £1,150 a year by upgrading to a new, more efficient boiler and using a Google Nest learning thermostat? Boxed, take away the hassle of upgrading your boiler to a brand new A-rated one. The process takes just a few minutes on their website. Couldn't be easier. Installation is carried out by an expert qualified installer and is included in the price that you quoted. A 0% finance is available, subject to status. Boxed will give you a fixed, fair price in just 90 seconds. And as a listener to this show, you can save an additional £50 on your online quote by using the code TSB50. Head to boxed.co.uk, that's B-O-X-T.co.uk. Use that code TSB50 to get ahead of the game Upgrade your boiler and start saving money now. Let's do part three of the show now then, which is Heroes and Villains. Thank you. Ken Bates' Villain of the Week Award is first. We sometimes subdivide this off into petty grievances, genuine candidates, others. Leading candidates this time, I mean, I'm not... I just want to avoid all this, but Bamford's been nominated. The Bamford abusers have been nominated. Yeah, great. People have said been nice to Bamford, though. They've said, look, he's just not, he's just not very good at scoring goals at the moment. Yeah. And I'm sad about that. Fine. Okay. That's all right. That's all right. It's all right to say that. I'm sure they didn't have the medium to say it, but I'm sure back in the you know 1919, people were looking at who was up front at that point, Moscow, and going well, nobody because we've been put out of business. Well, when, failed to take our place in the league. 1920. When it started again, when they eventually managed well, to get a game together. Tom Jennings will have missed a few on his way to being our exactly uh, record goal scorer. Fucking useless he was, wasn't he? And yeah, I think a villain nomination is absolutely fine because you can't you can't miss a penalty that would have made a big difference in our battle against relegation expect anybody to say thank you you're going to be annoyed about it but um so uh, this is why we have this we have these rails around this so this is where we are annoyed <laughs> we might just talk about furpo as well at this point as well just for these, are, like, these are the bumpers aren't they on the described bowling, as the bowling a, alley a glass cannon leaving destruction in all directions furpo as <laughs> well sir richard of castleford described him as i love that yeah he had a bit of a chaotic game didn't he you see when it's when it's couched in humor fine we're having a laugh. We're celebrating the, the condition of being a Leeds fan, aren't we here? That's what it is. So that's covering off the Leeds ones. Let's criticise a dickhead ref who will get onto the ratings. Pleased to say, as he should have been, the natural order of things, player ratings, dickhead ref, bottom of the list this week. Good. Yeah, Hooper refereed the Luton-Sunderland playoff second leg. Oh, did he? He did, yeah. Well, there you go. Did he do a good job of it? No, probably not. <laughs> did he referee each half with a different set of rules as he did in this one? Um, where he just sort of gave everything sort of, I'm going to give free kicks for everything in the first half and then second half I'll see how I feel what is interesting is that when you watched the more robust approach in the championship that he let a load of that stuff go stuff I know he would have blown mm. up for in the Premier League it's like they're refed by different standards it's weird, standards it's weird yeah, that's, that's what was kind of annoying about him on Saturday was every little foul it was almost I mean this seems a little bit like I'm very much 
buying into the the spearmint smell that is coming from our technical area. But like he was refing a big Sam team, like because we obviously went to be very physical from the from the beginning. I think there were like two pretty rough tackles in the first couple of minutes, and every single one of them was a foul. Whereas nice Eddie Howe, his young gentlemen who were out there upholding Corinthian standards, every time they did a similar foul, it was kind of 50-50 as to whether it was going to be a free kick or not. And it did seem like he had the, the message, oh, I'm not going to let Allardyce's crew away with any of this. And then, yeah, when you go into a championship playoff semi-final, well, Luton versus Sunderland going to be physical. Go for it, lads. Don't care. I yeah, did- it did get a bit wild, some of that. Um, towards the end last night. Did you see some of the VAR transcriptions and video clips that were doing the rounds this week? Mm. Just winging it, aren't they? Yeah. All of them are just winging it. They chose to show some quite straightforward ones where they got yeah. it right as well, rather than the ones where they're going, I, I, I don't know, I've no fucking idea. You can't tell, can you? Is he, I don't know. Is he mm. fouled him? I don't know. He touches him a bit. Which is why they've got the get out of jail free cards in the sense of what's the wording in it? it obvious, clear and obvious error mm. or whatever it is. Yeah, I still don't really understand that definition. I heard um, it, it's just wriggle room, isn't it? What's he called? The guy who's selling this on Sky. Howard Webb was trying to explain why the I think he was using the Luke Ayling one at Wolves when um, Johnny from the Fine Young Cannibals song went mm. through his. Uh, I'm sorry, legs, Johnny. You remember Johnny? I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, he um, has he has he come home? Yeah, he went home to the changing rooms when he got red carded. And he was saying that they want to intervene (laughs) on those because those are clear and obvious. You can, and they can make a, they can make a decision. Whereas they won't intervene on the ones that might be just a difference of opinion. But then sometimes they do. Because you can look at things that certainly to the, the, the certain supporters I would, you would go, well, in that game, the Nivea had to look at, take a a long look at this and they sent the ref over to look at it. In this game, Seemingly the same thing has happened, but whoever's on VR has gone, yeah, probably it's fine, right, it's yeah. fine, just carry on. Yeah, and that's why I don't buy it. That's why I still don't think that the, I don't think that the clear and obvious thing is a is a useful thing. It should just be, I mean, I think I've said this a, a thousand times now, the, the linesman has the responsibility that if they see something that the referee doesn't, they can wave a flag and say there was a foul there, I could see it, you couldn't. Why don't you just give the same powers to whoever it is watching the telly? Go like, right, I've just seen a replay. And use common sense so you can't be like, oh, that thing five minutes ago you should have blown for. But if you instantly spot something and the referee Mm. doesn't blow his whistle or you have a replay straight away and you see what actually happened, just down the microphone, that should have been a free kick. Not to every free kick level, but you've missed that. That was a handball. Give the handball. That should have been a red card, not a yellow. But instead of worrying about was it a big enough mistake mm. that we have to intervene, I was just like, I could see that. You couldn't. Here's the right decision from my point of view and give that. I'm thinking of those ones where like a, a keeper tips a shot around the post and the ref gives a goal kick, but everyone and the person watching it would have gone, that's a corner change yeah. there. You yeah. can do it within seconds, but it's going, well, it's not a, that doesn't meet the threshold for a big game-changing moment, but then you're allowing something to stand that, Literally everyone watching it has or, gone. Or if it goes the other way, where, they give, where, where they give a corner, it should be a dead ball and mm-hmm. team scores from it. And I know it's not yeah. always obvious. If it's one of those where like two players have gone up for a header and it sort of comes off each of them, whatever. Are you saying there should be a rule of clear and obvious? <laughs> <laughs> but like, but if if you're watching it, you go, you, you can just go, oh, no, you've you've that's obviously stupid. Yeah. You've made a you've made a mistake. I? I I mean, I get rid of the whole thing. <laughs> is is my solution to it? 
Yeah. Let, okay. people, let people make mistakes. Well, it's a discussion we'll have again. I'm absolutely positive. Mind you, the, there is no proper VAR in the championship. So if we do go down, they've just got Let's... the goal line technology, which I saw at Luton, and it was it was delightfully sort of Spectrum 8-bit in terms of its uh, <laughs> this is, graphics. This is where the discussion should be on VAR. Holly says, the ref, bald wanker. No offence, Michael. That's what the referee should be. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and to extend it into one of the um, Newcastle nominations, Anthony Gordon, who's just been picked out just for his, his face and his demeanour. Mm. Yeah. Looks like he's out of um, an 80s teen movie, Villain, villain Central Casting, <laughs> says uh, Wisconsin Todd. Is he um, ever going to be any good, do you think? No, I don't think so. Anthony Gordon, fortune he's, a, he's a good footballer. He's, he's talented. He's all right. He spends a lot of time rolling about. and yeah. Oh, don't they all these days, though? Yeah, but you can't get away with it with his face. Yeah. Fair point. Um, apart from that, we've got Lampard and Chelsea getting nominated. Yeah, for... No, Beheady Howe and the sports washing bastards. Be- oh, Beheady Howe, sorry. Yeah, he yeah. got a nomination too. Oh, is, yeah. he, is he Best nominated fact. for being attacked? <laughs> Just... Yeah, he, he was a little shove on it. It's fine. Yeah. The, the full quote on that, the thing about um, trying to entertain the nation was a bit rich. What do you think you're actually doing as a game of football? Oh, we're out here, you know, trying to restore everybody's... Save it. It's the bit from the end of... Um, singing in the rain where the actress tries to do a speech when she's won an award it's like oh if we can bring some pleasure into your humdrum lives <laughs> then it just then that's that's our joy and it's like Eddie Howe's out there it's like oh all we're trying to do is just make the people feel happier because the nation needs Leeds versus Newcastle I mean I don't think even Leeds and Newcastle fans fucking got any enjoyment out of that game it was dreadful that, by the end is of it, it just two, buying two. into that thing I think it probably comes from Keegan era where they're like Aye, it's like the theatre that was up here. It's all we got to see, man. Yeah. All that sort of stuff. Like, when they dragged themselves out of the mines or shipbuilding. Yeah, that was yeah. always a bit of a, a cliche of, the, of and, that time. And, so. and, and, well, Sky do tend to lean into it still. But we don't go to the Bally Lake. We just go to watch Kevin's boys. Yeah. But it's worth remembering, whatever Newcastle do going forward, whatever Eddie Howe has them doing, his intention at all times is to entertain the nation. So that's the standard that we need to be holding them to. So if they ever do put up, as they typically do, some dog shit nil-nil draw with Crystal Palace on a fucking Monday night match on telly, then we can ask, somebody should ask Eddie that in the post-match press conference. So Eddie, do you want to explain to me how uh, how your lineup today was supposed to entertain the nation? Maybe he's entertaining the nation of Saudi Arabia. His Tory mate Frank got a nomination, as I mentioned before, and Chelsea he entertains the nation. Uh, mentioned as well, Keeps Chelsea for, happy. for just not doing what should be done under these circumstances and helping us, quite frankly. Right, who's your um, who's your villain of the week? Give it to the ref. Yeah, if he'd never given us that penalty, Bamford wouldn't have missed it, would he? Mm. A penalty's just stupid as well. There's no way that Furpo thing deserves a penalty. They weren't scoring from that. No, that's true. We've said about this earlier. We I can't remember what context we discussed this in. The area for penalties needs to be loads smaller. Yeah. Stupid. A little, a little circle. It distorts games in a way that it doesn't deserve to. But it needs to be still big enough that when Rasmus Christensen got punched by Wolves goalkeeper on the opening day, <laughs> yeah. that that should have been mm-hmm. given. Because that's still um, annoying. I'm trying to work out who the referee was for that. Because I bet it was... Um, You'll be able to see on the Premier League website. Um, pick I'll a, have a look. So we're picking a winner there in, in the form of the ref. Yeah. Fine. Um, a quick dive into the scores from that game and player of the year. So the player of the match that one for sure Ailing just tucked in behind him so it's 7.2 and 7.18 then it tapers down to our lowest scorer Junior Pat Brendan etc etc as we climb upwards Junior was 3.19 the lowest scorer Dickhead referee 2.61 good bottom uh, and Big Sam got 6.54 which is, is standing in well in 
in terms of the manager of the year competition. Mm. I mean, there's a lot. There's a, it is a competition this year, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of people. Lots in the mix. of candidates. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people in the mix. Tyler Adams still on for player of the year by virtue of the fact of being injured. Same goes for Dan James, except he's on loan. Dan James now up into second. He's in the sil- silver medal position. He is, he is currently at Fulham and carrying a hamstring injury, <laughs> possibly out for the rest of the year. But apart from that. Uh, Could still be our player of, well, our second best player of the year, according to the averages. Yeah, and then it's uh, Willie, Max. Mateus Click in fifth place. Uh, Sam Allardyce actually up in about sixth or seventh there with a 6.24. It's not been a great season, has it? It was Robert Jones was the penalty, uh, the referee against Wolves, the Ah. uh, the former Liverpool right back. Right. Uh, The Katana Barati Hero of the Week Award. Candidates, please. Leeds candidates, we've got Forshaw, Rasmus, Allardyce, Ailing, Jackie Furpo, (laughs) Robles, and Pat Bamford. I mean, Furpo's nomination, we should say, is from Zach of Oz, who says the busy, describes him as the busiest man in football, created three penalties in one match and got sent off. What an entertainer. And it is, isn't it? It's, we're in the business of entertaining the nation. Yeah. It is. Team full of Furpos. Yeah. I, I said before, he's a free spirit. You can't control the man, can you? He does what he wants to do. It's performance art. Non-leads candidates, the ball boy that threw the ball in Callum Wilson's face when he got subbed, great, great value. Thanks to Holly for that nomination. And um, Nathan wants to nominate our Rob because he, he chatted to him at the 21. No, Rob's not having it. He's not here. So he's not having it. <laughs> he's dreadful as well. <laughs> yeah, don't be fooled by his polite demeanour. Refuses to speak to us. Finally, then the other nomination is for fans as well. The fact that Leeds and Newcastle fans united, as it were, um, around the Gary Speed song, which was very, very good from um, two sets of what you might call legacy fans. It was a good atmosphere in general, wasn't it? Yeah, so. it, was a, it was a nice moment. That It was a nice reminder that certain things just transcend the, all the daftness and the, and the finger pointing and the shite, like the Savile chants and all that, you know. It's um, it's good to, to know that there's a bit of good sense in there. They seem to have died out a bit, you know. Do they? Yeah. I don't know if I'm imagining, but I realise, because it was only um, when I've been on the gantry, I've been above the oh, away fans. Hang on. Been <sighs> yeah. a while. Been above the away fans and next to the South Stand, so I've been getting all of that. And it was only as everybody was leaving on Saturday, that the last sort of dregs of the Newcastle fans who were still in suddenly started up. Um, with a bit of Savile and the people, there were only about like, a handful of people still in the South and kind of cheered and waved and shouted fuck off. And I just declared, I haven't actually heard that song in a game unless I've just been ignoring it. So I'm sure it was been... sung in the last game before that. Who no, did know, maybe, before I'm, that? maybe I'm imagining it or maybe I'm wishing it were, but it did seem like normally, because it gets sung by the away fans and South Stand response and it registers. But um, yeah, I just had the thought on uh, Saturday that it, Hadn't been happening, I guess. Maybe mines have been elsewhere. <laughs> or busy with other stuff. Yeah, that's a, a good old relegation battle. Focuses the mind on more important I mean, matters. The other thing is that Jimmy Savile has nothing to do with Leeds as well. So, And he is sort of 10 years ago, probably now, since all this stuff came out. So it's becoming less relevant, I yeah, suppose, isn't it? You get tired of these things eventually. Right then. But we're not tired of Adam Forshaw, even if he is very tired. Is he your leading candidate for this? Then? Um, well, I mean, I mean, it's not going to be Furpo, is it? Uh. <laughs> no, he's had he's had his moment in the sun, hasn't he? This season, he's reverted to type now. Yeah, so. I suppose Robles was uh, quite mad. I enjoyed his taking it right up to the line. Mm. I found that very, very mm. uh, in the sense of nearly getting sent off. As Luca B has highlighted his sharp teeth. <laughs> it's good. I think you need a goalkeeper with sharp teeth. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah for I, me actually, Robles might be he might be it for me. I think I worried me a bit. But I enjoyed I was, beg- that. I was begging him to stop. No, but I enjoyed it. Like, you didn't, again, Do you enjoy being taken to the edge, do you? <laughs> very, very Did much you enjoy when he came out to challenge uh, for loose ball and Christensen got there first and then 
um, Robles just stood there like almost if you wanted to argue with him while the game was still going yeah, on. Yeah, but in the same way that I'm really looking forward to this West Ham game, I was saying in the preview section, because you know you're alive, this is what it's all about. Living on the edge like that, living dangerously. All right, going to test you now. Flirting with madness. Melier back in goal for the West Ham game. How do you feel about that now? I'd be fine with either way with it. I'd be absolutely fine. But he I, was, I, I, uh, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed what Robles provided. I, th- I thought he um, he put on a show. While we are salvaging the reputations of um, some of our players away from the social media opinions, because... The after the Manchester City game when Sam Allardyce said that um, Melier wasn't happy about being dropped. Obviously, lots of people online were kicking off about that. But I noticed him in the dugout on Saturday, was having a nice time cheering his teammates on. He likes pounding the roof of the dugout. He used to do that before he got in the team. Mm. He was like, he was the massive cheerleader. And at some point... Um, do that as a fan and they throw you out. Double standards. <laughs> Adam Forshaw changed his shirt at some point shortly after he came on. And um, took his, he took his base layer off, didn't he? It was too warm, I think. Yeah, yeah. well, his shirt was thrown to the side um, and he had a, a new one. And the one he'd, he'd taken off, Melier grabbed that and threw it into the West Stand behind. So he's not sulking. He's not sitting there in a big... Like, I think um, when Allardyce said he was trying to say, well, nobody would be happy about being dropped and the attention that Melier got for that was a little bit um, uh, extreme. Because you always put that on goalkeepers as well because like nobody asked when... Nobody's asked how Brendan Aronson took to being dropped, have they? And he could have been, you know, could have been dismantling door frames at Thorpe Arch on the daily ever since that happened. Although I imagine we would probably see more damage to him than to the doors if he'd been trying any of that stuff. But um, yeah, I think the the mood from Melier looked to be reconciled to what's going on. Right. And you mentioned the removing of shirts. There. Have we covered Jack, the reason Jack Harrison was nominated for his rippling torso? The, the future Mr. Harrison has, right. has nominated for that. He's a very good Nick, is Jack Harrison. Yeah. So. And he, and he spends a lot of his free time just doing gym stuff, doesn't he? Mm. Away from, he does football all day, then he gets home. What are you going to do? Just do some running, lift some weights. You could tell in this, in the Newcastle game as well, he was being very diligent because all his crosses were being fired in low. And that's different. And I think mm. it was kind of, I think Allardyce must have told him, that's what I want. I want low crosses in the six yard box. Pat might be there. Let's just, we'll worry about that part separately. But he was very committed to doing that every time. And I think that's the thing with Jack Harrison is he's one of those footballers who'll just he'll do his best to do what you've been what he's been asked to do at all times. And they'll keep doing it because he's really, 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 really fucking fit. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your uh, hero of the week? Give it to Adam Forshaw. Sure. Yep. As Chris says, old and knackered and somehow our, our only decent midfielder. <laughs> He's carrying the flag, isn't he? Very much so. Still flying the flag. Uh, all right. I'm up for that. Want it to be everywhere and do everything. And that's why we love him more. We want to see. Love it. Okay. Congratulations, Adam Forshaw. Good luck next year. <laughs> Would we keep him if we went down? Would we keep him if we stayed up? It's hard to know because the problem with Adam Forshaw is when you've been as injured as he has, can you ever actually prove your fitness? Or will even a year in of being fit, of playing 40 games in a row, do people still go, ah, but it'll be out at some point. Mm. Like it's, it's very hard, isn't it, to, to know what to do with someone who's been as broken as that. There's the balance of what he would want from his role in the future as well. Does he want to try and play 40 games or would he be happy being a squad member? And if he is, then we made the mistake in retrospect with Hernandez and Brady and Alioski all going at the same time. Um, and there is some value in just having people around the place who are just good at turning up. <laughs> yeah. Has legs. 
sometimes work. And if yeah. we keep Allardyce next year, you don't need a midfield, do you? No, exactly. Fair enough, yeah. Right, we'll wrap it up there then. Congratulations, Adam Forshaw, for our Hero of the Week um, candidacy. Next week's show should be interesting. Looking forward to that. Plenty more on the way between now and then. Match ball in the wake of the West Ham game. Yeah, looking forward to that. Down to business. We'll speak to you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. 